Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, welcome to the IGN UK podcast. Me, Simon Cardi. Hello, Dale Driver. You went, hello. Hello. Uh, all right, Governor. I'm How's all right. Going? Yeah, I'm good. It's good. I had a nice week off. I feel refreshed. Ooh. Yeah, it's nice, that. Yeah. What did you do on your week off? I watched a lot of films. You did the stuff that you normally do. Watched a lot of films. <laughs> I didn't think about work for the first time in about six months, is what I did. Oh, uh, did. Nice. I watched like eight films. I played through Quantum Break again for the first time in a while. Very that's good a, game. A Bad TV show. Very good game. Um, then last night I was bored, so I just like decided to rank all the Scorsese films I'd seen because I have a brain that never rests. Blimey. And yeah. it's used so productively. It's only like 18. <laughs> I've only seen 18 of them. He's got like, I don't know, near 30. I reckon I've think. probably seen about five. Come on. I don't know. Come on. I'd have to look sort at the list. Out. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that today though. Matt, uh, we're going to talk to you and Dale about the new Assassin's Creed game because both of you have finished it. Yeah, for Assassin's yeah. Creed Mirage. Mirage. I've played about 20 minutes, so I'm going to be useless on this, but I'll have questions to ask. We're also going to talk about Gen V, the new The Boys spin-off. Mm-hmm. Cocoon, the new indie darling. Is that safe to say, I think, that Matt, yeah, you've played? Yeah, I guess so. Is, is it indie if it's Annapurna? Do we class this as... It's uh, indie like. indie. Yeah. It's Indian spirit, yeah. I mm-hmm. think. Uh, and then, yeah, a couple other little things. Plus, you know what? We're going to do an endless search. What? Maybe. We're going to hear the music. Maybe we'll hear a new bit of music. <laughs> Who knows? Don't switch off, please. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, first up, Assassin's Creed Mirage, the big release of the week. Uh, a return to the roots of stealth-based Assassin's Creed. Is that a good thing? Yes or no, Dale and Matt? Kind of fundamentally yes, but not necessarily in the exact guise that they've made for Mirage. I, I, I've... I got a lot of enjoyment out of playing this sort of Assassin's Creed game again. Um, And I am someone that likes the RPG games. And it was nice to go back to kind of this very focused, you know, it is about doing the the hidden blade assassinations and stuff like that. I think this was this this is a game that was built for the 15th anniversary, which was last year. So it's a year year late to the game. And I think what they've done may it to its maybe to its detriment is they've made an old-fashioned assassin's creed game mm. that does feel quite old so they haven't really whereas they could have taken the spirit of old assassin's creed and does something new of it they've basically just gone let's make old assassin's creed uh, sort of what they've done is they've made it's almost like a remake of assassin's creed one in that it's it, it's set in a middle eastern location it's so it's set in baghdad it's a single city um, it's got a lot of that kind of more focus, but it's not like just playing Assassin's Creed 1. It's okay. not as repetitive and boring and restricted <laughs> as the original Assassin's Creed is. So it's it's cherry-picked bits from across that up to Syndicate era and put it together in a very kind of limited package, well, I'd say. I think my thought is it, felt, it still feels in a lot of ways like Odyssey and Valhalla do, but it feels like those games and they've stripped a lot of the extra stuff around it, pulled a lot of it back, kept it, put it bare bones and then put in a few token 
gestures that remind you of the original, mm-hmm. a few of the the social stealth mechanics. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like I found the whole thing feeling very bare bones the entire mm-hmm. time. Like, is it a, if you're looking for like because I don't we haven't really had any recently unless they're unless I'm forgetting them. Like, is it a good for someone looking for a good stealth game? Would you say this is a good stealth? It's like sim. No, yeah, basically, okay. and. That's not to put down it necessarily. Like it's, I enjoyed it as a stealth game in that kind of like I enjoyed being sneaky. That's the thing that I liked most about it. It's not a challenging stealth game, nor does it have any particularly interesting stealth mechanics. It's like you you get on a rooftop, you look down, the six guards, you're like, okay, I'll throw knives at these three and then I'll go and stab the other three. That's about it. I think the key to a good stealth game for me is always um, the the choice. The mm-hmm. ability to like play is an amazing stuff game, but if things go wrong, you've got the choice to have another fun, a different type of yeah. fun experience. And I never really felt like that with this. I felt like stealth always felt moderately fun, but as soon as I was in open combat, that was where it like was really let down, especially compared to like Valhalla. That, that's what I look for in stealth games is something like, I don't know, something like Hitman or something like Metal Gear Solid 5. They basically go, here's an area, here's what you need to do, work it out. Yeah. Whereas from what I've seen of this Assassin's Creed, it's like, there is one, maybe two ways of doing things, and that's the only way you can get it done. Is that? Am I right? I think it depends in? on where you are in it. So, in in its like mission to mission environment, kind of like because I think the challenge level is quite low on this. Um, there's not a lot of things that are built into those environments to offer you a huge amount of choice. So, there are occasional things like there might be a chandelier that you can drop on someone, or there might be kind of like a bag of rocks. And then there are these like bags of spice that just happen oh, to be yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But I, so I noticed that. So you were like, oh, yeah, as if like, because I barely use them because yeah. I don't think the encounter design is set up really. What, what color spice are we talking here? Like, bright red. red. Oh, bright OK. Red. So maybe a, a paprika, maybe. Or yeah, a... you see it in the trailer and uh, some of the trailer clips that there's these big yeah. clouds of like red big smoke. Chili that powder or something. Through. Yeah. yeah. But I ultimately don't think the encounter design is ever set up to make the most of that. And it's almost... You have to go out of your way to use them and it's easier to just just throw a knife at someone. And and there's none of that overlapping guard patrol system. So it's not like if you kill someone, nobody's going to spot it. So you're never going to be in danger. So I never felt the need to use the things that are built in to try and make the game a bit more interesting because yeah. it just made it I, I just think it'd size. be nice if there was some variety and there was, I don't know, some yellow, some like saffron or some turmeric. Just, like oh my <laughs> God, just, God. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm just thinking all the possibilities here. You could have like spice bombs you yeah. throw out and it's just like bright yellow, like yeah, saffron. I would say as well, like, it always felt incredibly easy to like, even if someone did spot you, felt incredibly easy to just get out of that yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Like just run around the corner and then hide and then within seconds I've forgotten you and go back to it. It felt very old fashioned in a lot mm-hmm. of way, a lot of ways. And then there's also this big illusion of choice like they are setting you up with a Hitman mm-hmm. style missions. Mm-hmm. What do they call those missions? So 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 is that, they, they like to call them the black box mission, which right. is, so there are five of them in the game. There's essentially, it's a much, imagine the Court of Cosmos sort of stuff where you mm-hmm. have to like find out who were the members of like yeah. the order of what what they called the order of the ancients? Oh uh, God, it'll come to me. Yeah, but what, whatever the precursor of the Templars are, but there's only five of them in this game. Five masks. Isn't it just called enemies. the Cosmos? Is it is something like yeah. no? Well, it is in in Odyssey, isn't it? Yeah. But it's it's the order of something in 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 the rest of them. But essentially, you've got five masked villains, and each one of those five assassinations is like this black box thing in which. 
they like to set these up as if there are multiple ways of solving them. What there actually is, is a series of steps that you follow of which occasionally you might get, like you can do this step or this step to get you to yeah. the next step. Did you find, I found myself repeatedly doing all the steps, like not, not, they weren't all steps that connected to each other. Mm -hmm. They were just like, you can activate, you can get this musician to cause a distraction or you can go to the secret entrance. And I just did both of them. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, I'll just see what this one does, see what this one does. I never felt like I was making choices. No. It no. just felt that it was very arbitrary. Yeah. It's like a yeah. checklist of things yeah. to do. And then, so once you've done all of these, then you'll be able to get to the kill. And I think, I think it's one of these that, I appreciate it for what it is. Those were the best bits of the game where you go in because it's the closest it gets to being to something like Hitman or Dishonored yeah. where it is the quote-unquote iconic section of that region. Like mm -hmm. it, like one of them's in a, in a in a bazaar, which I thought was really, you know, that's really yeah. fun. You're going around the, between the stalls and you make a lot of spices probably. Yeah, yeah, a lot of spices. Yeah. And, you know, one one's in a giant library called like like the, the House of Wisdom. Yeah. Um, and they are the points where the game is is like working on uh, as many cylinders as it actually has. Yeah. But it is like a two-cylinder <laughs> like, self-game. It is quite interesting and nice in those where it's not just like locations that just, it's just as soon as you go in, you know, everyone's on high alert, you're mm -hmm. in water world enemies. Somewhere, some of the areas, they're public spaces yeah. and you're maneuvering around trying to, you know, create this assassination in a public space. I do think the problem is, and what I loved about the Court of Cosmos and the equivalent in Valhalla was the fact that you could gather clues to find out who these people were and where they were, but you could also just stumble upon mm -hmm. them or you could have two of the clues and still be able to work it out. Yeah. Whereas in this game, you need all the clues, but then you still need to, they're always in a room. Yeah. They're mm -hmm. always in a room that they you cannot get in and they will not come out of until you've ticked the box, uh, until okay. you've done the thing. Es essentially what they're trying to do is, you know how in Hitman there's kind of like these, uh, I, I guess you call them like the signature kill, which is where you get to do mm -hmm. the really cinematic shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the These black box missions, like all of the steps are designed to get you to that moment. But I think it's much harder to come off the leash and just do it the way that you want. Yeah. You know, there's none of this kind of like, well, actually, if you just broke in through that window, you'd be able to do a cool kill of your own devising. Yeah. It is always like, you've got to do this, this, and this to bring you to it's this. It's very scripted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like, like we're all, I think it's fair to say, us three are in the camp of actually really liking the new style of Assassin's Creed, like mm -hmm. the latest trilogy, the Love big that. open RPG. Like even Valhalla, which is probably the least popular of those three i really love valhalla and yeah. that combat mm -hmm. especially honestly like my my own real problem with valhalla i think is and something this game has tried to solve is they are perhaps a bit bloated oh definitely like, bloated. Mm -hmm. like when i heard the runtime of this game runtime when i heard the playtime of this game well, it's I was, like 15 hours is yeah it, roughly? i was like well i got the platinum in like 23 hours so yeah i was like Look at you yeah mm, i mean it wasn't boy. hard trust me it's very easy to do um i was like absolutely sold um but what i didn't realize is they'd not just stripped out the bloat of Valhalla, but they stripped out a lot of stuff. And the key one, I know me and Matt are kind of in agreement on that, is the, the combat options in this. When you're not doing stealth, yeah. you have a sword and a dagger, which in the dagger is exclusively used for parrying. And that's it. Like you can get different oh, okay. types of swords, but they all function the exact is same it, way. Like, can you get so like if your cover is blown, is it easy to fight back or is it pretty much <laughs> if you're out of stealth, is it you're done for basically? <laughs> particularly at the start of the game you're yeah. done for but yeah. what i will say is is even towards towards the end i got the hang of it 
But even as an upgraded Basim, you know, the, the main character's Basim for anybody that hasn't cottoned on to, to that in the marketing, um, I still found the combat aggressively difficult mm. because it is one of the worst sword-based combat systems that, and I play a lot of sword-based games. Yeah. This is one you know of the worst blades. I've ever played. That's what we're saying. Well, I, well, I don't necessarily know my blades, <laughs> but I know what feels good in mm-hmm. a thing. This is, I would say, the worst Assassin's Creed combat system probably since the first game. Yeah, I, I thought I it felt incredibly clumsy, really imprecise. I never felt like I was doing moves. I felt like all I ever do is just mash R1 until I see a parry situation mm-hmm. and hit L1. And that was all I was ever doing. Yeah. Like there is there's the option now to hold R1 to do a heavy attack. Never felt the need to really do that. Mm-hmm. It's just wait for your parry window, swing wildly every single mm-hmm. time for 20 hours. And it like it quickly, especially when you go from Valhalla where you could have a bow and arrow in your hand one second, then you've got two giant dual wielding bearded axes mm-hmm. in the next. And it's just like, it's yeah. just such a downgrade. Yeah. It's one of the, I understand where kind of like, you know, a lot of the weapon designs that are in Valhalla are not suited to the location course, yeah. and the the time period of, uh, of that one. But I do feel that even if it just wanted to limit you to, say, like, um, swords and daggers, and really, quite honestly, if other characters in this game are using pole arms, you should be able to use pole arms There's guys with giant axes, guys with maces. It's like, why can't I disarm them Mm -hmm. and take their weapon and use it against them? But also, I just think fundamentally, like, the combat system is nothing like what's in Valhalla. I don't understand why. For a game that is very clearly designed to be, was made, I'm not saying it was made on the cheap, but it is the kind of like side spin-off bit of Assassin's Creed, right? That is using, it's using animations and ideas from yeah. and the engine of, of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I don't understand why that combat system wasn't just bought over, but was just not as wide ranging as it was in. I think you could have wholesale just brought a lot of it over mm-hmm. and just changed the location and changed like the the brevity of like the story and stuff yeah. as well. But like it felt like they felt because we're stripping certain other things back they're going to strip that back yeah. maybe they thought it was more in line with the character Basim I get it from a like a narrative point of view but from a gameplay point of yeah. view that's like punishing the player I ju- but I just think that even if like you just had Assassin's Creed Valhalla's combat system with a sword like it feels so different to what like the yeah. stuff that is in this game almost feels like I'm doing canned animations and I'm having to push R1 to do a canned animation and it feels clumsy and like yeah. really out of step. Whereas Valhalla's combat system is a good melee-based combat system. I don't understand why I would have rather have had a stripped-back version of that rather than this entirely new combat system that is straight up feels bad. Yeah. Mm. Well, it sounds like Assassin's Creed Mirage is exactly what the name suggests. You, you see science sparkly in the distance, like, oh, we're going back to the roots of Assassin's Creed. You get there, and it's not really wow. what it appeared to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do like to, like, clarify that i did have a good time mm-hmm. mostly playing the game like well, for, what, what what did make it a good time <laughs> so be like playing assassin's creed okay. i love playing assassin's creed games and i think one of the most underrated thing like gaming play loops ever in games is the um the assassination the the um hidden blade kill mm-hmm. like i will never not find that mm-hmm. satisfying lining it up and hitting it at the right time it's always executed and looks like phenomenal, especially there's one where you like run up their body and jump down and land on. It's always satisfying. And the act of, 
you know, stealth game sort of fodder, really, like picking out your prey and then targeting them and hitting them one at a time and knowing that you've successfully cleared that whole area and no one ever saw you. Mm-hmm. That is still fun. Mm-hmm. And I it's still also, enjoy it. it really, uh, the, there's not many stealth games that support what I call aggressive stealth. And it's the way that I like to play Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed, which is waiting for that point where it's like, I'll just run at someone, kill them, yeah, and I'll be out. gone in an instant. Yeah. And I love, and Assassin's Creed supports that so well. And fundamentally, this game really supports that very well. So the bread and butter of this game I did really enjoy. It's just the when you look at other stealth games, when you look at what Hitman's doing with social stealth, particularly with all of its disguise systems, none of that has made it into this. Yeah. And I just feel like if you were making a game for today, yeah. why not look at what yeah, Hitman it's, has it's been looking doing? It's looking back too much. Yeah, yeah. it mm-hmm. feels like yeah, they looked at the original Assassin's like, we've got to replicate this instead of saying, how can we take the the ethos of this and modernize it. Yeah, yeah. It feels like some of them are literally wholesale, you know, like the blend in the crowd and walk with like four people around you. Mm-hmm. It's just like exactly the same. Yeah. There's not an attempt mm-hmm. to modernize it at all. What I did really like, and I really hope that they use this again, is this, like because it's not an RPG and it got rid of all of the quest log design, mm-hmm. it has this thing called the investigation board, which plots out like, here are your five targets. Mm-hmm. And then you can... After you've done like the prologue, you ultimately get to choose like which, where do you want to go, which target okay, you cool. want to focus on. And then you go to them and it puts like, they're not side quests, but they're kind of like the the clue gathering yeah. quests. And they plot them all on this board. And I think the structure of the game, being able to decide like, I mean, I played it like, okay, I'm going to do all of it for this guy, all of it for this guy, mm-hmm. all yeah, of I it didn't. for this did you move from area to area? Uh, how all your research, then just do all five in a row, like bang, bang, bang. It's how bang. I play a lot of open world games. If there's multiple things open, I usually look for what's the nearest thing right, from yeah. where I finish. I think, oh, I'll do this while I'm over here. I love that it did this, that you yeah. could you could choose how you followed the plot threads mm-hmm. however you wanted. And I think that felt, well, quite honestly, I enjoyed that structure much more than I actually mm. enjoyed the RPG structure, even though I really like the RPG games. I really... Um, I do think I don't think it's necessarily a great story, but I do think it's a way more focused story than the last few Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed game, and I do appreciate it a lot more for that. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. and that that's a thing I enjoyed as well. And I think that system is a big part of that. Like um, I was talking to someone who works on our gameplay team, and immediately he was only halfway through a game, but he was asking me how long it was, and he could see. Oh, I can see yeah. that I've got these four major kills and then mm-hmm. I'm going to have a final one there. And it's like, it was quite nice to have this sort of uh, structured story. Yeah. Like that. yeah, I really liked it. And that the fact that it is essentially, it turns the Court of Cosmos stuff into the entire game, basically. And mm-hmm. it, 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 it narratorizes. Mm-hmm. Narratorize that even a word? <laughs> like narrative eyes <laughs> up essentially the Court of Cosmos board. I think that's a really smart thing to do. And I hope that we get a quote unquote full fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, game not that yeah. is still kind of like more curtailed in I'm, how I'm long still it holding is. out for that hex one because that's yeah. the one that's got yeah, my attention. yeah they had elements of that with like yeah with like witch finder stuff mm-hmm. in that what, yeah. what did you think of baghdad because i i think it was well realized but i also feel like i don't know any landmarks in baghdad mm-hmm. and i think that was a thing from a Creed game that i was really missing like even like valhalla which is like such a you know it's so worlds apart version mm-hmm. of like England compared to today. There's still things that you could associate in. Oh, I can visit this. Oh, I'm excited because I get to go to London. And yeah, this. Mm-hmm. and I had none of that connection. Back yeah, then. maybe the bazaars about the only thing. I, mm-hmm. think I mean, really. part of that is just that, like, as has has men white men from Middle England, <laughs> yeah. we probably don't have a lot of connection to that. And what I will say is, is it 
from what I understand, it's probably a pretty good representation of Baghdad. And if you have those cultural touchstones. That is one thing Assassin's Creed is normally going to like thoroughly research in yeah, oh, I know that they have, they have these collectibles around the map that are called historical artifacts mm -hmm. yeah. and it usually gives you it's optional obviously but there's like a lore dump of these mm -hmm. areas I'm sure I, could, I just for me it was just yeah it's a missing an Eiffel Tower mm -hmm. or yeah, something yeah. you know like it's something where you're like oh yeah. I, I you know a familiar landmark that I'm excited to see yeah. I never felt excited to see any of the locations mm -hmm. for me what I would have liked to have seen is just a little bit more of a push um, to slightly gamify some of the regions so there was a bit more of a clear distinction between this is the bazaar section yeah. this is the thing they all like, do feel like they could have yeah. different spices for <laughs> i example. mean maybe maybe that was what it was spice missing, regions yeah. is what we needed really as get well. off the spice thing mm -hmm. man but it's like spice girls at the end of the podcast now oh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is to kind of like to bring it back to hitman each hitman level is such a work of art and such a work of um you know distinctly everything yeah. about that it feels so distinct and offers its own story I don't feel like the particular, the, the five locations that make up kind of like Baghdad's central assassination regions yeah. never quite felt like they had their own uh, personality. No, absolutely not. But I again, maybe the part of that comes from my ignorance of the region. I would say though, that apart from the, the central zone, which uh, felt more like in line with like um, royalty, I guess yeah. maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, the Yeah, the four surrounding like suburb areas, like they all, they might as well just be the same mm -hmm. area. Yeah. Like, and I don't think that's like an ignorant thing. I think they just, just all look and mm -hmm. feel the same. Yeah. Um, there's some, I, I'm surprised how little, there's quite an expanded uh, open world area beyond the city, which it's is not used. <laughs> there's not exactly what I was going to say. Like some of that Even looks. Even the original Assassin's Creed had that, like around yeah. the city, you could ride your horse or maybe mm -hmm. I'm misremembering. There was like towers out there and stuff. So the original Assassin's Creed, I'm, pretty sure they had like these just little sandbox ones yeah. and it was like load screens in between mm -hmm. the big areas uh, but this one is obviously all connected and there's these areas and some of them like there's like random oasises in the middle of the desert and stuff like that there are some cool places but it's barely used there's just like a treasure there mm -hmm. and that's about it and i do think that they could have spread out a little bit out of baghdad and done some more stuff there yeah okay well let's know what you think of Saturn screen mirage ign ign underscore uk feedback at ign.com do you welcome the return to basic Assassin's Creed? Or do you want some more big, beefy RPG Assassin's Creed? Let us know. Or somewhere in between. That's where I stand. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't yeah. it? Oh, some compromise. Um, Gen V. Hello. The new... Oh, that's not your name. Uh, Gen V. <laughs> Spin-off of Amazon's The Boys. Yeah. Um, very clever name, little play on Gen Z, but obviously V is the drug that they inject into mm. superheroes in this world. Um, I've only watched two episodes. I don't know if you watched all three. Oh, yeah, I've watched all three that are available. I think, so this is, obviously you listen to this podcast Friday. Oh, yeah, there'll be a another, fourth tomorrow. There'll be a fourth yeah. one then. Yeah. Um, I'm only two in, but I'm having a great time. It feels, I think we were saying this yesterday, until something the boys or the boys related comes back around, I forget just how much I enjoy yeah, this absolutely. this show and this this universe. Like this is very much like it is the boys, but with a different cast, yeah. isn't it really? And well, it's got all the hallmarks, you know, it's extreme in most ways. I think I think the thing for me that differentiates it, and I mentioned it earlier when we were chatting about it, is um the boys very much specifically like the seven and the superhero yeah. side of it. It's very much a sort of um, commentary on what it's like being a celebrity yeah. in the modern age. Whereas this one feels very much like what it's like to be an up and coming influencer yeah. or a wannabe influencer. It is some of the best satire we've got on television yeah. at the moment, I think. And this continues in that vein. And 
yeah, so far it's touched on, you know, they're not afraid to touch on issues that you, so, so, some of them you're laughing at yourself and some of them you're laughing well, at other people. Also touching on, touching on like, you know, like abuse and self-harm and, um, and lot, eating yeah. disorders and all, like all these sort of things. Mm-hmm. But in like the ridiculous, colourful way yeah, that yeah. the boys sort of handles things. You and know? even within the first episode, it's got twists. It's got to, there's ways I, I didn't think it was going to go and it yeah. went like just really solid stuff. And I don't think it gives them more of a, because the boys hasn't necessarily one-to-one followed the comic books. It has in some ways, but in some ways it's gone off yeah. on others. They've kind of got free reign to do what they want here. And yeah, I don't know if any of the characters are based on comic book ones. So, 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 so Gen V is based on a run of the boys comics. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't know. But is it about the like the the ones we know as the seven? It was like the Muppet Babies sort of equivalent. I do like this kind of like. So if you don't know the setup here, it basically takes place at a college for superheroes, essentially. The Dolkin University. It does, and it's kind of like I like that straight away. I was thinking it's like oh, it's like the NFL college athlete system where like they've got rankings and you get drafted into either like the seven, which is obviously the elite superhero group, or you get told you get sent off to like I don't know. There's a performing uh, arts one. You get yeah, to be like an actor. You can even be an actor or you just get sent off to a city to be its protector. Like you yeah. could just be like traded to, I don't know, St. Louis. Well, they basically be evaluate, hero. They evaluate <laughs> your superpowers and see how you'd best serve to yeah. make money in the world. I guess how you'd be best become a, they're always talking about how many followers people yeah. have got and how best to come. It's just instantly a really compelling concept. And the lead character, she's already, I'm just thoroughly engaged with her and like mm-hmm. her backstory and where that's going to go. There's mystery to it involving these weird nightmare woods. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the cool, the cool thing is, um, so it's got a bit of loss to it. Well, whatever. it's like what secret farmer sort of company. <laughs> so, like, there's an area called the woods, which is quite mysterious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, um, the cool thing is, it's like, um, it's, you know at its, at its core it's a university story so it's you know there's a lot of young people mm-hmm. discovering themselves and going into social circles and when i first saw it i was like okay well there's the jock there's the mean girl there's yeah. the thing. and then it quickly spins all that and you realize that you know that was my assumptions but these characters yeah. aren't those archetypes and in typical boys way there's no one really thoroughly 100% good oh no absolutely not like no, maybe like, maybe one I can think of but like and the powers themselves are all very interesting yeah. like the lead character I don't think I've seen a power like that and also I've not read this comic book run but she basically can control blood right and like yeah. turn it into like blood whips but also like put it back in people's bodies and yeah like, the opening of, yeah. of it is really yeah. interesting with how her she like when she like first discovers. gets her powers and yeah. discovers it yeah it's really interesting and also that's another thing that the boys does that I always forget about I always when I think about the boys casually, I think, oh, it's a it's another superhero show, but we're from the side of the people who don't have superpowers. But then you don't you forget about all the like the debauchery and the, the just yeah. absolute like ridiculous violence and the set pieces. There's like, one the scene in that set- first episode where you're like this is absurd. Yeah, oh, they it's are very, comical. I mean, like, if you remember the boys season three, that first episode was the one where uh, the termite guy was oh. shrinking and going inside a penis. There's something equivalent of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus they, Christ. They, um, yeah, they love using scale. Yeah. They? <laughs> um, but yeah. it's like every episode so far has had something ridiculous like that as well. And it's always one of those ones I'm like, uh, I've been watching it, so this sounds bad, but I have been watching it with my baby, but he's been asleep on my arms. Oh, he so. won't remember it anyway. Yeah, he? exactly. He's been asleep on my arms, but there's a few things I'm having to control myself and stopping laughing out loud, not because of jokes, <laughs> but just because of situations like this yeah. is mental. But it's just very it's really, fun. And yeah. I wasn't, 
at first I wasn't overly keen on the boys. I remember that first season I was like, ah, oh, this is okay. But yeah, ever since then it's, it's grown. I, I, really, I really, really like it. So much so that I feel like once I finish Gen V, I'm going to go back and rewatch the whole show again because it's so good. It, it is missing a, I do think it is missing a Homelander character to a certain degree. Like a proper, like, hor- like someone you hate. Like someone who's like truly a, a nasty piece of work, but yeah. also like has got this front. It's kind of, like of got this develop. Yeah, I can see someone. Ah, there's there's a lot of people to dislike, but yeah, I know what you mean. That sort of like but everyone's he's kind such of like, a good like you said, character. Everyone's he? kind of shades of grey, really. Where he is, I suppose mm. in the you know uh, in there's the, some evil in the eyes of the public <laughs> in the boys. The Homelander is you yeah. know, perceived in a way. That's but they cool. also, particularly in the most recent series of the boys, they did some stuff that humanizes kind of like his. He was Trump when he had yeah, season. Yeah, but and there's an awful lot of kind of like that. Um, he, you can tell that he's got issues with himself, yeah. and that produces mm. the horror that is Homelander. Yeah. And so I think that even when it's on its full satire kind of rate, it always knows where to make those characters just a little bit believable, even yeah. though the situation's like dumb as bricks. Well, that's kind the thing. Like, there's a there's a character in it um, who's like the top dog at the university at the start of the show called mm-hmm. Golden Boy. Uh, but even him immediately, like they just lay out, you know, mm-hmm. like all the problems that he's mm-hmm. got. And then, you know, he's not quite the squeaky clean. Some sort of, uh, yeah. great use of music as well. They know yeah. how to use the right songs at the right time. It's just very fun. And I do love, and uh, there's, there's obviously little cameos here and there, nothing too mm-hmm. much. Usually like, you know, like how Captain America was using Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. those sort of cameos, like they're inspirational, they're on posters. Yeah. And then uh, there was a couple of cameos with the deep. In the third episode, there's one where you just see the deep saying something. I just remember how much I fucking love the deep. I just think he's <laughs> as an actor, he's well, he respects just the so sea, funny doesn't he? in the role. He, he does respect the sea. Yeah, he and does he respects we, the sea very much like, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. He is such a fun character though, from like the, the original show. Yeah. So I think the, the deepest one of those characters, because obviously the boys is it, it, it does have like these comics it's based on but it's loosely based on these comics it's a lot in the same way that Gen Gen B I've not watched it yet but it is very loosely based on one run of the comics but um, I think the fact that they've turned characters that are really unsavory in the comics and they found ways to make them still unsavory but they've done like these humorous elements that bring a bit of heart into characters that are otherwise quite horrible and it prevents it Reading the boys is a difficult exercise. It's just very nice. Like, yeah, I stopped. Like I was like, I'm not sure. Is this nice? Is what I was saying. Is this <laughs> yeah. good? Whereas I think they found a way to keep all the outrageousness of the comics in the show. Yeah. But they've also made those characters a bit more palatable and the situations a bit more palatable, which I actually think makes the satire stronger. Definitely. Yeah. Like yeah. the deep is a really good example. Like obviously it starts off as like a horrible sexual predator, but at the same time, he's like in this loving relationship with, uh, is it an octopus? Yes, yeah. Who <laughs> really cares about, is really passionate about. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know if that forgives all of that, but uh, yeah. No, it's not, but no, it's, the not point about, it's, it's the colour of it. Though, isn't it? Yeah, it's not about the, about forgiving characters. No. Like, all of these characters are like, you know, do not necessarily deserve the forgiveness. But I think it makes watching the show palatable and therefore you, that like, you can get on board and understand the satire yeah. better. Because mm. exactly. you're not just sat there going like, oh, I just feel like I need to have a shower now. Yeah, yes. I know what you mean. Yeah, watch it if you haven't. And you don't necessarily need to have watched The Boys to have watched this, but I I'd still it might watch help the boys. Like, contextualize the yeah. world a little bit because it, it's yeah. a strange situation, I guess. I can't get, I can't wait to get home and watch episode yeah. three tonight, I think. Um, Matt, the reason you haven't really been watching The Boys is because you've been playing a little game called Cocoon. I have, yes. Which I can't wait to play. I've been busy doing other things. Can't wait to play it, though. Maybe I'll do it this weekend. It's on Game Pass. Why mm-hmm. should everyone give it a go? 
Well, this is the new game from Jeppe Carlson, who you might know as the uh, the lead developer of Inside oh, and okay. Limbo and and Limbo. Yeah, so so this is he's got a, a new studio and he's working with Annapurna, and that's what this is. And so it is very much a kind of like the next step from Inside. It is a similar Inside, yeah. not that. Inside. <laughs> Um, but it's a similar sort of, uh, you know, puzzle-focused game. But I'd say this one's a little bit more meditative than what um, those were. It's still, it's still weird, but it's not kind of fucked up weird like Inside is. So that's why I couldn't tell from what I've seen in this game. Like, is it got, is it got like an actual story, or is it more like a it's, vibe? It, <laughs> I'd say it's of more of a vibe. I think I can tell that something's happening, but whereas there's a quote unquote more clear narrative in inside yeah. in terms of like the story of the boy um this is more kind of like reflective and i'm not entirely really sure what's going on but i can tell that it's building to something mm-hmm. and basically you you play as kind of like the cocoon uh title suggests you're like a fly man okay. um not that really the fly bits you, you know you cannot fly in the game like it's just the fact that you are this thing with wings the actual kind of puzzle design of it, so it's not side-scrolling like Inside was. This is slightly more of a top-down kind of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but the puzzles are based on the concept of worlds within worlds within worlds. And so um, essentially what you have is as the game goes on, like you're you're solving puzzles within this location, which sometimes feels a bit like a beautiful version of a Cronenberg film right. because it's never okay. actually gross. Well, we did do the fly. Yeah. But there's a lot of kind of like weird kind of like huge bug metaphor kind of like imagery that you're like, if this was rendered in realistic graphics, this would look really oh, fucking yeah. strange. <laughs> but because of the art style it's in, which is kind of like the slightly more colorful version of Inside, it's got more of this kind of like sereneness to it. But you do, the first section of the game, you do all of the puzzles, and they're always puzzles where you're like, they're not necessarily super difficult, but when you're playing them, you're like, oh, this was really cleverly designed. Mm. Like, I really like how this has come together. And all of those kind of build to a kind of crescendo, and then you realize that you're moving on to another world, but the world that you're in becomes a physical item that you can use in the next set of puzzles. Okay. And, and it's an orb, so it's an orb that you can carry around. Is this like the end of Men in Black with the marbles? Sort of, <laughs> to a certain degree. So you can put this kind of orb in, in sort of like a receptacle and then you can jump back into that world or you can jump out of it and then jump into another world. And oh. then, so you eventually get to this point where you've got a collection of these orbs that you're using to solve puzzles and like, uh, for example, kind of like at points you might need to move one world from one location to another, but a series of barriers prevent you from getting it there easily. So you'll put that world in another world and and that world has got an ability that allows you to carry it to another thing. And then you take it there and pull that world out of it, place it somewhere and then leap into that world to carry on. Does it all make sense when you play it? Yes. Okay, yeah, I imagine it's a hard one to explain. I'm into it, but it sounds mm-hmm. well, mainly because said the pedigree of the developer like yeah. those are two is this incredible what the games. cocoon is all about then, maybe i can't really i haven't really worked it out yet of what the actual cocoon is like you do you are hatched from a cocoon at the start but i don't know if there's a wider thing and i guess kind of like the a, a living thing inside mm-hmm. another living thing is is essentially yeah. what a cocoon is it is also right have then. kind of like that 
the thing I love about Inside so much and to an extent Limbo as well, it's just that kind of, you know, at first like, oh, this is not nice, but, you know, you know, quite quiet. But there's always that looming dread of just something horrible is happening. So, <laughs> so, so the thing that this game does really well is that kind of like the, the big kind of like moments of it transitioning then tends to be like when it introduces a new world concept into it. You get, quote unquote, like a boss fight, but they're not things that you fight. They are a boss puzzle, for lack of a better term. Mm. They are some of the most fascinating puzzle designs I've ever seen. And it's kind of like you can fail them in that like the creature that you are, quote unquote, fighting can throw you essentially out of the world. And then you'd have to leap back into it. You know, it takes you all of two seconds to do that. But so there is a reset. There's Mm. a fail state. And they're like three phase boss fights in that like they'll have phase one and you have to solve that and then it'll start doing something more complicated. I, I can't wait to play And then this. you solve that. And like they're absolutely brilliant. And even though some of them took me kind of like a good kind of like eight or nine attempts to do because of getting like the, the timing down or the concept, they were never frustrating to me because it's always like, I can't believe someone made this. Like mm. it feels really Einstein level yeah. kind of those, smart. Those, those are the sort of puzzles that get me. It's less the solving makes me feel smart. It's more the me thinking of how to even think of making them makes yeah. me want to appreciation. It's the appreciation of the art more than yeah. I had to be super clever to solve this. They're never really that. Yeah. It's just that you're like, wow, I, I feel really cool being part of this. Right. Mm. Um, and so that, and then each of the worlds has kind of like a theme around them. So one of the worlds is about kind of like building almost like bridges of light. And so when you get to the point that you can carry that world as an object, in other worlds, you'll be able to produce bridges of light when you carry it around. One of them turns pillars from like water to solid. Mm-hmm. So you can go into it when it's water and then turn it into a solid and it'll rise you to the top. And then so... More than inside and limbo, there are elements of repetition where it will be like, I am doing um, this, I've done this section before and now I'm doing it again in another world, but there'll always be like another layer to it this time. Mm -hmm. It just sounds ridiculously smart. I can't wait. This is like very much up my alley. I can't wait to play this. Cocoon is the name of the game. Mm -hmm. I think it's on everything, but free on Game Pass, right? Yeah. Game Pass. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there you go. Check out The Cocoon. I certainly will be. Is it The? No, just it's just no, no, I'm just saying The for some Drop reason. The, the. Drop The. It is cleaner. <laughs> Let's quickly go through a couple of things before we hit and end the search. Uh, Matt, you wanna, you've been watching No One Will Save You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us s- why. Well, I'm going to start with, um, if, if, if you've liked any of my recommendations in the past, please trust me on this. Go to Disney+. Plus. It's, <laughs> it's free on, well, obviously everything's free on Disney+, Plus if you've paid for Disney+. Plus. But it's on Disney+, Plus now. Uh, it's brand new. It is a home invasion movie mm-hmm. uh, with Caitlin Deaver as the main character in it. And if you trust me, just go in with that knowledge and watch it. Because it's it's a film that like I, I do really think like you mm-hmm. can get a good good fun out of not yeah. knowing what it's about. I do know what the threat. I know is. the th- yeah. I know. Yeah. I don't know that. I do know the the vibe is very much like kind of. I've heard home invasion meets alien to an yeah, extent. Yeah, right. so 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 basically because this is a podcast and we have to talk about things, I'm now going <laughs> to yeah. talk a little bit more about it. But um, yeah, the the threat is that she's not invaded by other humans as most home invasion are. It is an alien uh, film, and it is so much fun. Like mm-hmm. it, it, so, it's a horror. It's not like it's a funny film. Yeah, um, it's got 
elements of genuine threat and like weird threats like the aliens are strange and they are animated with such a weird vibe and the way that they move and they've got almost like a bone cracking element to them i like it um like really really well put together but the thing that's really clever this film is completely dialogueless there's not there's not a script yeah there are five words said in the podcast while watching absolutely (laughs) not But yeah, there are five words in the entire film. Is it no one will save you? It's not no one will save you. Oh, well, that would have been, a, <laughs> that would have been clever. Um, it's, oh shit, oh fuck. <laughs> ah. But so, so, so it is all entirely based around the scenario design telling the story and kind of like her reactions to what's going on. Is it five words in English language? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, but so there's alien words maybe. No. Oh, okay. No, no. It's like they, they, they don't, don't. I don't know don't, why I'm, I'm mm-hmm. focused yeah. on this. So in my but, head, um, I haven't watched it yet. It's I'm going to be, be the final. Words it's going to be the final five words. Yeah, it'll be. Film, it'll be the sentence. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's done really really well. So what you've got is kind of like it's a film that the film you think it's going to be is over and done with in about the first twenty minutes. Okay. And then it turns into something much bigger I'm and wider it. in scope. Let's oh, stop there. How scary is it? I wouldn't. I was never scared, but it's it's got intensity to it, which is what I liked it's, about it. It's been on my list for a while, but like I said, my evenings now are with a baby, so I'm like not been putting horror films on. Sure, I'm missing horror films, so I do mm-hmm. really want to watch. It's quite. It. It's quite short, isn't it? It's yeah, it's ninety minutes long. Like find a window it, when he's sleeping, then yeah. put it on. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's it, it's got intensity. Like you know, if you've got a baby with it, there's going to be some crashing. There's a lot of like <laughs> yeah. like people being chucked through walls and stuff mm-hmm. like that is on it. I um, do really want to watch it there. And. Um, it's got, I know that it's audience reaction on things like Rotten Tomatoes, which I would always hesitate people shouldn't really use Rotten Tomatoes as a thing, but nah. the ending perhaps stumbles a little bit on what it's trying to say. And I ultimately like the film all the way through. And yeah. I think when you actually sit down and think about what the ending is, it makes sense and you can kind of go, okay, yeah, it went to where it needed to go. But I can see why people would watch that ending and be like oh this film was shit okay i think that would be even if you don't like the way it ends i think that's discounting hmm. like 85 minutes yeah. of very very well put together I tense will, i will add it to my watch mm-hmm. list which is extensive but <laughs> i'll get around to it eventually yeah, i i really i had an absolute blast with this and it was one yes. of these that i am i'm getting to the point now where i'm kind of sick of franchise films and i really just wanted what do you mean? When I, I I want what I call a film film, and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I need a well, Scorsese. You've only, you're saying, well, you're, I was about to say you said you only seen like three Scorseses. I have. So, there's about fifteen and, and more so, that are worth so, watching. Yes, that is there, but I, by that I don't mean that I want a drama or a Scorsese or something yeah. high yeah. art. What I want is something that felt like it was made to be a film that was made yeah. to be enjoyed mm-hmm. as a piece of cinema, and this felt like that. Yes, it's popcorny. But mm-hmm. it felt like it's a it's a it's a proper yeah. film that's not designed to sell toys or whatever. Sometimes you don't, don't want to watch a three hour Irishman film, you know. Yeah. Well, I was going to suggest After Hours is like <laughs> is like anxiety inducing comedy from nineteen eighty five, which is only ninety minutes long. It's very good. There you go. Well, I'll think about um, it. <laughs> I mean, I it's like his thirteenth best film. I have to look at his list and remind myself how many I've actually seen and how many I haven't. Yeah, uh, Mark Scorsese Newsflash quite good. Uh, <laughs> Kills of Far Moon, only a couple of weeks, maybe was three and a half hours. Woo-hoo. Is that three and a half hours? I yeah. won't be watching that. Oh, <laughs> oh maybe wait. if it's like it's overwhelming, like positivity, I'll come to it at some point. Oh, it's, it's yeah. I mean, anyway. I got, I'm not watching three and a half hour film in my evenings. Not doing it. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, 
Well, do you know what's only 40 minutes? The wonderful story of Henry Sugar, which mm-hmm. we're going to briefly talk about. Both me and Matt have watched it. Wes Anderson's doing some Roald Dahl shorts mm-hmm. for Netflix. Ooh. Some of the lesser known Roald Dahl stories. Is this stories. a Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah. This is Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. I think there's four of these he's made. Mm-hmm. Uh, this We've both only watched this one so yeah. far. Um, but as you'd expect from Wes Anderson, just beautifully staged. I wasn't 100% sold on... Like the story lost me a little bit to what extent there is. It's, like, it's kind of a rambling, sort of like almost a weird thing to say, almost like a monologue split over several characters mm-hmm. that just continues and continues and continues. It's like almost no rate. It's like narrated by three or four characters for like 40 minutes. It's, it doesn't stop. There's no like breath. No, it's just like continuous. You've got Bendit Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, Ben Kingsley, amongst others. Richard Iowardi just pops up every now and then yeah. and says the odd line. And Ray, um, and it, it kind of like it's bookended by Ray Fiennes yeah. as Roald Dahl. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just beautifully staged. It's just like you can't take your eyes off it because it's almost like you're watching a theatre production happen in front mm-hmm. of your eyes, but you're in the seat that's almost moving through it like a... Th- like a so, theme park ride? Yeah, the, it's, the, it's hard to the explain. The easiest way to describe it, it's not actually a single take film. No. But it feels like it's been shot as a single take right. because every scene seamlessly flows into the next one. And because it's it's very much a film that's in love with this craft of storytelling. And so it actually allows you to see how this story is being told. So some of it is done almost as if it was on stage. And you can see like the backdrops are sliding in. And then sections where it uses almost like dawn of cinema kind of elements. You've got Benedict Cumberbatch like driving a car, but you physically can see that there's a backdrop behind right. him with the street rolling yeah. behind mm-hmm. him. It does a lot of that because it is very much in love with like, this is a story about someone telling you a story. Because the whole thing is Roald Dahl telling you the story of Henry Sugar. And then it's other people in Henry Sugar's life telling you the story about him. Yeah. There's very rarely ever a point where two characters speak to each other. It's always the person that was important at that part of Henry yeah. Sugar's life telling you, the audience, how it happened. So it is stage-like, very stage-like. Are you guys familiar with Henry Sugar? And- no, no, I never read it. No. no, I've never read any of Roald Dahl's like adult um, kind of fiction. Yeah, same. Yeah, I was just like the kids' books. Yeah, so and and you know, it it is very similar to his kids' books. You know, it's not like violent or kind of sexy no, or anything weird. like that yeah but yeah it's just just a little bit odd and off kilter it, it what, films is it? whatever is, like, do you know what? i haven't looked at the others yeah i want the twits give me the twits they, I mean, they, they are doing the twits, twits. Oh, yeah. 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 okay i don't it's not wes anson no but, uh yeah the twits are coming oh um but yeah check that out 40 minutes on netflix just just unparalleled style really yeah um mm. i yeah. thought it was delightful there we go uh Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, do you know what I think is delightful? The Endless Search. But before we jump into it this week, 
obviously there's been a lot of, you know, a brouhaha, I think, about <laughs> the, uh, the and the search theme. So I've got an email here from Daniel Marsden. He says, Dear IGN crew, Dan from Liverpool here. Long-time listener, long-time podcast lover. I think the current Endless Search game, Grime Garage Rap, is very Marmite. I've learned to love it, but my wife hates it. <laughs> I do not possess the talent of the guys that actually made their version. However, what I do possess is an hour of free time, patience, and six ninety nine to subscribe to an AI song generator. And this travesty is my Frankenstein. I think that this is the perfect time for me to jump in and say, and this is why AI art should not exist. <laughs> because if you listen to this... There is something inherently interesting about it. Oh, it's funny. And I don't... Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying, you know... But, you know, this is why we should never replace actual music with AI music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Daniel goes on to say, why the patience? Well, I had to tweak and listen to this about a hundred times to get the AI to say certain things such as IGN. I had to spell it, for example, as I, G and N spelled out as words. It was a label of labor of love, if nothing else. As an ex-mariner, the sea is my mistress, and by God, do I respect her. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. So, yeah, without further ado, here is a... It's this, I'm going to make this clear. This is not the new Endless Search theme, but for this week only. Here's what happens when not actual people make music. <laughs> <laughs> Keyword countdown, we can't get over you. So we carry on the UK IGN crew. Endlessly searching. It's the endless search. It's the endless search. It's the endless search. Respect the sea, bitches. Peace out. Like we were saying, it's kind of like Connor for real yeah. from uh, Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. It's Try, like him doing trying to the, do a very unfunny song. Well, no, it's, it's like Conor Farrell, what he considers the very thoughtful and deep song yeah, yeah. on his album that wouldn't release as a single. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, let us know what you think. Don't tell us you love it because it's not here to stay. I can tell you that much. Yeah. And that's nothing against you, Daniel. That's against... It's also, I don't know if jingle a minute long is like a suitable length for a jingle as well. I feel like... 10 seconds is you kind of oh yeah off. well i didn't play that song is a full minute when i edit this we're putting in about 20 seconds i'm not putting in the four minutes it, it loops but there we go yeah we're always welcome to more suggestions and maybe there'll be a bit more on the endless yeah. search theme later who knows but we do have an endless search game to play matthew you've come up with a little a little one for us to play what are we doing i mean i haven't come up with it it's a it's a repeating formula this is the imdb yeah, you, game you thought about Give it for what, five minutes uh, so yeah, this is the IMDb game for anybody that's not familiar. Basically, I have a bunch of uh, famous people, in this case, directors. And uh, Simon and Dale are going to try and guess what of the four things they are known for according to IMDb. So on the IMDb page for for each of these directors will be four films that they're known for. The thing is, is these four films are usually not really the not four the films that they're no, actually known for. I don't know how, for. one day we need to work out how this formula is is created. Uh, no, but that's yeah. part of the game, isn't it? If you yeah, but I'd like out, to know how, yeah, but well, is it um, through searches? Is it through just I'm not, randomness? I'm not going to lie, guys, this terrifies me. <laughs> because it? I'm expecting, sometimes if I know the person... 
Oh, it's right. not it terrifying. Be, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Matt hasn't pitched so, some. So really what I will say is, is I am very aware that kind of like you know when I do this because film is kind of like my secondary interest on the podcast yeah. after games. I always get quite worried about this yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. I've picked very okay. in the spotlight directors. So just, I'm thinking off the top of my head is someone like Damien Chazelle, right? And no. I'm like, well, he's only got. F- yeah, four, but the point I'm saying is, is someone that you're so much more familiar with than yeah. I. I know of him, but I don't necessarily Fair know enough. his films. Yeah. Fair anyway, enough. Martin Scott. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's fine. <laughs> if you go on that path. <laughs> so, oh, we have to, do we have to pick numbers or? Yeah, we do. So okay. uh, we'll go left to right from where my perspective. Yeah. So, so Simon, choose Ooh. between one and five. One and five. We've got five to pick from. I'm going to go with two. Number two. Jimmy Cameron. Oh, okay. James Cameron. Yeah. To, I was going to say, when you said Jimmy, I thought, who the fuck is this? Um, okay. <laughs> da, 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 da. Which ones are going to be there? Let's go with Avatar. Avatar is there. Yeah, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Titanic. Titanic is there. Yeah. You would have thought, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, Two of the biggest hmm. films of all time, yeah. See, there's always there's going to be a curveball in here. But which one? That means there's going to be at least one massive film not on this. I'm going to go with uh, which one though? Well, it's tough, but I feel like I know. I'm going to go with just Termin- the Terminator. It is not there. Ooh, you know why? Shall I go? <laughs> shall I go complete curveball? Because there's always a curveball. Are you going to say like the Abyss? Or something? I was going to say the Abyss. <laughs> the Abyss is not there. Oh, I should have just gone down. Do the I get? Road. Which, I should, so you, you do we'll get, get a steal. One, yeah. I should have just gone down the middle of the road. Shouldn't I? Terminator Two: Judgment. Day. It's not there. Oh, <laughs> Unbelievably, it's got to be Aliens. Quite, so Aliens is on is there. Avatar yeah. Two and Avatar. Yeah, yeah, The Way of Water, oh, which kind of like I ultimately do. Yeah. It's the second highest grossing, yeah, yeah, no, that's third right. highest grossing film. Of it's all mad. Time, there's so. no Terminator there, though, isn't it? Yeah. That so that is was crazy. what two? So Cardi, oh. two to you. That's not ideal, is it? Dale, hello. Would you like uh, director one, three, four, or five? Let's go one. Let's keep it clean. One. Mm. David Fincher. Oh, okay. I wanted that one. <laughs> hmm. Seven. Uh, seven is there. Can only pick one to five. <laughs> Funny. Now uh, that is the point where I start to blank, mm-hmm. and I probably know this isn't there, but it's the only film that's coming to mind right now. It's Alien Three. It's not there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly sure uh, Fincher probably is pleased that it's not there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, Zodiac. Zodiac is there. Yeah, it's there. That's love. I love that. That's there. Yeah. And um, fuck, that's nice film. Um, <laughs> genuinely can't think of another film. I can't get prisoners oh, out of my goddamn gonna, mind. Oh, yeah, kick yourself. I am going to kick myself, yeah. Give me a second. But when the pressure, when you put mm-hmm. the pressure on yourself, that's when I the know, mind it's is terrible. truly blank. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to concede. Okay, two. <laughs> okay, well, I've got a choice of three here. Yeah. So what are you going to go for? I've got a choice of four, actually. Go on. Which ones? Either Fight Club, oh, Social Network, <laughs> Gone Girl. <laughs> Literally one of my favorite or films. Curious of all Case time. of Benjamin Button. Which, Which one, one are, are those you going to go for? I'm going to go with. Hmm, I'm going with Fight Club. Yeah. It's not there. <laughs> the Fincher ones were Seven, Zodiac, Gone Girl, and The Social Network. Oh, I can't believe it. I had a 50 percent shot there, and I picked one of the wrong ones. Oh well. Okay, back to you. Two all though. This game. It's horrible. <laughs> two all. Is it too? It's horrible. Uh, yes, yeah, two all. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cardi, do you uh, want, four, uh, direct, please. Director four. 
Timothy Burton. Oh, that's a that's a horrible one. I'd rather have had Burton. I don't think. But it's easy when it's not so you. Many, they, they come to you so much yeah. quicker. Um, quicker. Does this is this purely stuff he's directed? Because uh, sometimes it includes stuff people have written or produced. It, it, it does, but mm. what I will say is, is every single one of these is a directed okay, film. Okay, that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. a, a thankful hint. Thank you. Because uh, there is one film everyone thinks he directed that he didn't. Oh, mm, I know, Ooh. yeah. Uh, Edward Scissorhands. He's there. Um, <laughs> which other, Tim? I'm going to go with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He's not there. <laughs> uh, which other? <sighs> Are you purposely avoiding the, the big ones? Not really. Okay, right. <laughs> I'm going slightly blank. I'm not going to lie. The <laughs> <on>. um, <laughs> oh, this game, it kills you. Doesn't it? it does, doesn't it? <laughs> Sweeney Todd? He's there. Oh, good shout. And oh, do I go for a weird one? I'm going with Ed Wood. Oh my goodness. He's not there, no. Batman? He's uh, not there. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. <So>, Mr. Casual. <laughs> so Cardio gets to four points because that was two from you. Uh, it was Edward Scissorhands, Sweeney Todd, Corpse Bride, ah. and for some reason, Frankenweenie. What? Whoa, I was <laughs> never going to go with Frankenweenie. How is Batman or Batman Returns? No, <laughs> that is insane. There we go. Right. Two's across the board so far. Dale. I've realised we've only done five. We need a sixth, don't we? Because otherwise one person gets three. Well, I realised this halfway through <laughs> yeah. this. So I, I've, <laughs> got, come up with the I've, got, I've got one in mind, don't okay. worry. Okay. Um, Dale. Hello. Would you like uh, director three, five or six? <laughs> There's a new one on the board. <laughs> Again, to keep it clean, three. Three. <laughs> JJ Abrams. Uh, okay, Ooh. okay. Star Trek. Yes, Star Trek is there. The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens is there. It's a strong start, though, isn't it? Oh, my God. I always get it in my head if this is his film or not. Oh, my God. Should I even say it? You can make a fool of yourself. It's fine. Super 8 is that? Uh, Super 8 is not yeah. there. It's a good film. It's probably his best film. Um, Super 8. Rise of Skywalker? The Rise of Skywalker is there. <laughs> oh, what a shambles. <laughs> Um, well, I've got one to steal then. <laughs> you have. Just going off the theme, mm-hmm. I'm going to go Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, is not there, no. Uh, <sighs> Dale, you should have fought slightly outside of the box for Abrams. It was lost. Well, that's bullshit. So, <laughs> like, well, he was only involved in like about five episodes. <laughs> there we go. But you've taken the lead though. Yeah, I'll take it. Three five, four with two left. Mm-hmm. So I've got five or six. Five or six, yeah. Do I take the one, the new one, the, the despair one. of the moment? I won't. I'm going to go that five. That changes everything, by the way. I didn't Does realize, it? T- <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> TV was involved. Oh, right. I thought you were going to say adding a six <laughs> changes everything. I was like, I don't think it does. No, I thought it was only movies. Um, five. Five. Okay. This... Uh, is a slightly more curveball-ish oh, one God's sake. because it's Greta Gerwig. Ooh. Okay, but she's acted in a lot of stuff. Precisely, oh, which means God. that her uh, top four is potentially picked from acting credits and directing credits. See, I don't know how, you know, lately they update these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So am I going to fall right into the trap here? Uh, I think you got two locks, surely. 
I've got the, oh, Also, you... She's only directed three films. Uh, but, uh, but you I do don't know kn- if all three of those are there. Yeah, but you do know, and you've watched a reasonable amount of yeah. Greta films as well. Barbie. He's not there. Oh, for what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ladybird. Is there. Do I go for her other dark? Little Women. He's not there. What? Fra- I thought uh, Francis Ha. Is there. Okay. I, I don't, well, I've lost. literally cannot tell you another thing. So um, I know it was Little Women. I mean, she Barbie. wrote, did she write a marriage? She's in I have marriage, no marriage idea. story of it. Anyway, there's a, anyway, you yeah. try and steal. I've just given you a. There's nothing to steal with. I'm not, yeah. That wouldn't be right to take you on. Right, okay. But I, they, they were acting credits. So, Mistress America mm-hmm. and uh, Greenberg. Yep, there we go. Mm-hmm. I no idea. Which Dale. That leaves you God, with. Why couldn't you have picked that number? I would have. I know, I would have been. Fu- well, I would have mm-hmm. said Barbie and I would have said Little Women and then I would have been. Stumped. So, did I. Sorry, did I get. I got two. So, you that's got two, a yeah. Six, mm-hmm. five leads. So, I need Dale to get. Well, well to get it completely wrong. What Who have you got? What is it, six? Is uh, it let me just give me a second. Yeah. Oh, this is the one that the, the last minute one. I kind of want you to get one of them out of the steel to win it, if I can. That's the, that's the, in my eyes, that's the ultimate. It's like win, a it's yeah. like a extra time goal, isn't it? Yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's what you. Or want. one that's like clearly onside that gets given offside. That's <laughs> oh. brilliant. I love that. I love it when that happens. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you took the points from Liverpool, mate. You got what? the points from uh, the people in the VAR room. It all counts, doesn't it? So, <laughs> so the 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 surprise one that I fought up of on the spot is Joe Russo of the Russo oh. Brothers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can just go list through Marvel films, I guess. Uh, Captain America Civil War. Uh, is not there, no. Flip. Uh, <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Is there. Avengers Infinity War. Is there. Oh, God, I, got one I more need the point to save it. The Winter Soldier. It is there, oh. yeah. <laughs> wow, it's imp- there we well, go. Dale. What's the last one? That well, crappy I get, I Netflix get to, film that they released. Uh, it's not actually. <laughs> it, uh, so, was it so, Arrested Development? No. So, uh, well, so think outside the box. Like, what have they produced? Community was it? Uh, I mean, they have, but yeah. no. <laughs> what have they produced? Very recently, hugely critically acclaimed. I don't know. Uh, oh, were they? No, I've gone blank. Uh, they were producers on Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, there we go. Okay. Wow. Well done, Dale. There we go. Yeah, last minute, last minute steal there. You've done it. Nice. You've done it with the with the uh, Marvel hat trick. I'll take it. <laughs> I can breathe a sigh of relief that the game, the pressure is over. <laughs> there we go. As always, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Uh, let us know what you thought of that new theme. And if you've got any uh, new themes to send us, we welcome them. Um, Dale, you've got the first email, I believe, which is along that line. Yeah, this is from CJ. And uh, people, uh, if you don't know, CJ is part of the band Codemala, who wrote the Endless Search theme tune, the original. And CJ says, uh, Sup, lads. I haven't written in for a while, but all this slander about the Endless Search theme has compelled me. Your response when I sent the theme in first made me so chuffed, especially when it was a, a really bit, of, really a bit of a rush job, as I wanted to get to you quick before someone else did. But if it, if it has to come to an end, then that's cool. Whatever the masses decide. Uh, you might not be surprised to know that Code Marla isn't actually a UK garage band. We are more of a new metal rap rock type thing. This is our latest single. If you are interested, it's a bit of a sweary one. Are we going to sound up a clip there, I guess? Oh, so what's it called? People can check it out on YouTube. Oh, yeah, it's by Code Mile. It's called You Won't Like Me. No. 
Uh, CJ goes on to say, um, one of you said about making a lo-fi version. He's talking about the endless search theme. I think that was Jesse last week said that. Uh, you may be in luck as I also have a solo lo-fi side project, which sounds like this. And then he's, his side project is called uh, Psylocke and Lucrea's Tragedy. Lucretia's. Is it Lucretia's? Yeah. Yes. There you go. I'll Ignore. always go with the new metal over lo-fi personally. Just my well, preference. You know, I'd like to hear both. I'd like to hear both. Anyway, uh, this is all a long way of saying I've got two new versions of the theme that I'm in the middle of making. So that's nice. I like that. <laughs> this is the first time I've read this. Uh, a new metal one and a lo-fi one. So watch your inboxes. I can't guarantee it will strike gold again, but I'll have a go. Uh, also, that listener who said they would play it at their wedding, we will come play live for you in a, for a very reasonable fee. Uh, respect the C, etc. That is very exciting. There I'm very go. excited Thank to hear you, a new CJ. metal version Two, of the theme. I can't wait for that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that might not want the people that complain that it like wakes them up in the middle of the night might not want that one, but the lo-fi <laughs> one. Maybe. Do we put out several, put out three versions of the podcast each week, like lo-fi version? <laughs> I think it's like a, pot, a pot look, right? We just yeah, see what which, one, which one we're going to play this week. Yeah, exactly. We've got, we've got Garage, Lo-Fi and New Metal. Thank you, CJ. <laughs> we love the song. Yeah. Don't let the haters get to you. I, I do love the song, but I'm also very excited to hear what different versions exactly. of it sound Exactly. Like. Matt, what we got? This is from Josh Gallimore, who says, Hey all, write in enough you talked about demo discs on last week's pod. Best example I can remember of this is in Crash Bandicoot 3. If you entered the Konami code on the start screen, you get a demo of the first level of Spyro the Dragon. Mad. Yeah. Uh, also, anyone who doesn't enjoy the Endless Search theme obviously didn't attend Podcast 500 and get to see it perform <laughs> live. When I hear that theme, I'm ready to go to fucking war. <laughs> uh, last thing, I went on ITV's Tipping Point game show, which aired last week. I managed to get through the... Third round by answering a question about the Sopranos film, which was conveniently <laughs> being talked about on this podcast around the time the show was filmed. Nice. Shout out to you guys because getting that question right meant I got to go to the final and won. I weirdly messaged Cardi at the time <laughs> thanking him, but I think he was pretty baffled. With I, was the a, I wasn't baffled. You, Congrats. Oh, okay. I guess you did. I love to hear him, it. Right? No. Yeah. Anyway, respect the theme. Cheers from Josh. Um, I will say, I think we're kind of owed a cut now, aren't we, of the winnings? Because we wouldn't. <laughs> what did he say? His winnings were? Did uh, he didn't say the winnings. We'd have oh. to watch. We'd have to watch what last week's tipping point and see <laughs> if there's person, someone who called Josh who won. Yeah. And then we'll do. We were demanding what? I don't know, four percent each, maybe. Depends what what sort of. I've never watched it before. What's the price? It's not like a holiday. Oh, you can win Barbados, a few thousand. No, you can win a few thousand okay. if you play it right. <laughs> yeah, um, it's the one. Do you know what it is? The one with like the big like penny drop machine. That you like put the tokens I mean, I know those into. machines, but I've never Yeah, watched you answer show. questions and then you get tokens. It's a massive you, like, one, basically. Yeah, oh, it's, it's like a, a big one of those. Thing. Kind of a bit yeah, like that, yeah. yeah. And you, what, however many tokens you get down uh, is like they're worth, I don't know, is it like 50 quid each? Something, Something like, like that. that. Uh, or you can get the jackpot token. Ooh, is it a good show then? Uh, it's okay if, if you're bored <laughs> at like 3.30 on, on a weekday. <laughs> it's uh, on. I don't get time for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Well done, Josh. Happy we helped. Uh, yeah. I've got an email here from Robert Lang who says, Hi, I've only just started listening to the IJN UK podcast over the past couple of weeks and love it already. Keeps me entertained on my tedious drive to work. Where have you been all my commuting? We've been here. Yep. Some have found it's not Apple. 700 or whatever episode yeah. name. I was particularly nostalgic when the chat turned to demo discs. I have very vivid memories of playing the timed Resident Evil 2 demo on the PS1. The chat at school the next day was all about how far you managed to get within the time limit and how to save time in certain sections to get further and see more areas of the game. That seems like something you would have done, Dave. 
I, I I don't know if I did that, but it does definitely feel like something I would have done. And I do appreciate demos that I just have a time limit on, but it's like how far can you actually get? It, it yeah. makes you want to play it and play it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a contest to see who could get the furthest. The timer actually turned the game into a different experience as it changed how you tackled encounters and brought in a speed run feel to it. I probably spent more time on that demo than many of the other full games I had at the time. The game still stands out as one of my most formative gaming experiences as a teenager. I also have very clear memories of the Metal Gear Solid demo disc too. Experiencing that groundbreaking game with what seemed to me like the best graphics ever. Made it a must-have and I bought it the minute it was released. I still have many of my demo discs from the PS1 and 2 era. I religiously bought the official PlayStation magazine for years, mainly for the demo discs. Might be worth a revisit to bring back more of those nostalgic feelings. I remember that Metal Gear Solid 1 demo and I'm pretty sure so it's just the um opening section when you're on the helicopter helicopter mm-hmm. landing pad area um but from what i remember that it's different to the final release of the game because they added in weapons that you get later on in the game in that area yeah so it meant there was more it felt like there was much more to do and explore in there but also it was the systems that you were experimenting with in the demo metal gear solid 2 demo had this as well i remember because you could it was one of the first times in games you could break all the objects in the yeah. environment and i just remember just walk around experimenting trying new I, things i just think you remember getting the <sighs> Was it must have been like FIFA 2000, 2000, maybe 99. It was around there. There was a demo, but the only two teams were Man U and Arsenal on it because they were like the two yeah. going for it at the time. And no matter how stale that, I played it so many times in my house, they got always played as Man U, never switched and thought, oh, let's try something new with the demo. Never once played Inter- Arsenal. It's Couldn't do it. Interesting with a football game demo because if you're not, if you just want to play the game for the exactly, core that's what game, I did. That's a, that you've but got, you got the game. Like, I remember back in those days, I think, it might have even just like, got one half. Oh, one half. I do remember yeah. that being quite common. Which yeah. was stupid. I was just replaying, basically play full Nightmare games, but over two halves. It's just yeah. like, what's the... Just let, let me play a full game. Why are you so weird that you won't even let a full game be and played? just they've got to do anything they can to make you still want to buy the actual yeah. game. Yeah, but I remember doing that a lot. Um, yeah, I can't remember what other demos stick I mean you guys talked about this last week didn't you so there's probably nothing new you've got to- no I mean I'm sure like you know memories can be provoked if people write in with their mm-hmm. stories about I remember they used to like used to there was, there was a football game as well that came in like a Kellogg's cereal there was like a Kellogg's football game it wasn't very good, but I remember playing it a lot. You don't like there was the Wild West of when there was like people trying to actually release football games and competing with yeah, FIFA. Yeah. Back there was then. so many of them. Yeah. And FIFA football was one I played quite a bit. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, there we go. Always happy to hear about people's memories of demos. Um, you wanted Spice Girls? Is it got to be Spice Up Your Life? That is probably the it's best the mo- one. Yeah, it's pretty, I do it's think the most, that is you know, probably their best one. song. Yeah. Um, got a favourite spice? Let us know. IGN underscore UK podcast. It's paprika. Paprika is the winner. Although Garam Masala very useful. Useful, but I think we've had this. We feel like we've had this Have discussion we? before. I don't remember talking I about spice. I feel like paprika is one of the maybe few about that you June. Could, we did. You could dip your finger in it and lick it. It'd be oh, fine. Paprika crisps are like consistent. Yeah. Whereas all the other ones, I feel like they're great for cooking ingredients and they have to be in things, but you can't just eat it pure. No, but I also just wouldn't have a spoonful of paprika. <laughs> but you could, and it would taste nice as well. Would it taste mm. nice? I don't know. No, I'm thinking I'm it would be I'm a bit much a full spoonful. Curry, a yeah. curry powder maybe as well, but that does that. Yeah, but you wouldn't spice, like, yeah. oh, do you remember everyone was just eating spoonfuls of cinnamon? Oh, Another oh, good trend. spice, but you don't want a full spoon <laughs> of it, do you? Yeah, no, exactly. Paprika's the one. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Let us know what your favourite spice is. IGN, unscrew UK feedback at IGN.com. And yeah, here's some Spice Girls. See ya. Bye.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.